This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 820, you're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning. And this morning, we're talking about heart health and things you can do to get healthier and make your heart healthier and make your heart last a lot longer. Today, our guest is nurse practitioner Hallie McNew. And tell us a little bit about your background and what got you in to the medical field. Hey, my name's Hallie. I was born in Murfreesboro and played soccer in uh, at Riverdale, graduated in 1998 and thought I was, you know, it's kind of like, what does your family do as an 18 year old? And my family was always in sales, went to Tennessee Tech and chose marketing and then graduated and the rest of our friends are like, now what do you do? <laughs> the day that I graduated, I moved back to Murfreesboro and uh, my dad had a massive heart attack. And um, I'd never been in a hospital. I currently um, was working for Judge Rogers as I was trying to figure out what to do. And the nurses at the hospital, my dad was kind of the, not the clean cut person, but there was a nurse that knew his name. And I, I thought that's really something that I'd rather do. And then I had ended up working for Nissan and the people were great. I just wasn't built to be in a cubicle. And Uh, People encouraged me to go back to nursing, so I went into nursing and just did a variety of things. Worked at trauma for Vanderbilt and worked in the ICU setting, continued to work in the ICU setting, and then full circle ended up in heart area. So cardiovascular ICU, became a nurse practitioner, and then my first job was as a nurse practitioner for um, heart surgery. And so you eventually came back to St. Thomas mm-hmm. and uh, you're here now, yeah. now, but, but it's cool that your story started with, you know, somebody in your family, your dad mm-hmm. uh, going through something that was massive. Yeah. He smoked a lot, just a lot as men growing up, you know, in the veteran Vietnam war and just, it was just a different culture then. And smoking was a normal pattern and that just really probably sped up his heart disease and i guess what were the steps that happened after that after your dad had that heart attack what were the things that you saw that made you say you know i want to do something to make a difference here i think finding a career that you feel like you're having an impact and you feel maybe encouraged when you wake up in the morning. And I looked around in the current work environment I had, and there was a lot of people just doing the daily cycle. They didn't love their job, but it helped their lifestyle and they didn't know how to get out of that position. And for me, I just knew that that nurse that called my dad by name and I could go home and take a shower, that I wanted to have that impact versus Um, what I was currently doing. And sometimes it's just exposure. So I encourage people that don't know what they're doing in high school to just shadow, 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 shadow different fields, figure out what they don't like, and that can lead them to what they like. So for me, it was just learning what mattered to me and wanting to do that for other people. You know, I think one of the, the biggest fears after a loved one has a heart attack, let's say, and they're in the hospital, and then after, let's say, a surgery or something along those lines, they're on the road to recovery. But one of the biggest fears is for family members to leave the hospital 
and then come back and just trust that whoever is there is going to take good care of that loved one until they're able to return. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, How have you seen families impacted after somebody has a heart attack? I think it's stressful. Um, I think they, the loved ones understand a loved one's lifestyle very well and they want to fix it for them. And it's really just the person that needs to fix it for themselves. So I kind of just help the family members say, you don't have to go immediately and buy everything with a heart on it. Like just make a couple of steps Um, You don't have to get it perfect. You just have to start with a couple of choices that might change. So if you're a smoker, just really, I say, clean the cars, try not to be around cigarettes, take a different path when you're driving to just do one step. And if it's smoking, that's the only thing you should try to do is just put put all your efforts into not smoking. So that's might be one thing. And um, just allowing family members to be there and communicate and offering support when they go home who they can call and making sure all the follow-up appointments are ready communication i would say is a big part of it the the wife or the husband of somebody who just had a heart attack they it it sounds like they want to go in and they want to change everything right off the bat they want to change eating habits they want to all of a sudden start exercising and they suggest you know your spouse start exercising right away Mm -hmm. but these are things like you said the person who went through the struggle they're the ones that have to actually make the change and i'm sure being told every day after you get out of the hospital you need to do this you need to do that doesn't help no and i I do every personality is different so you might have the gung-ho I'm changing I'm going to do it right or somebody that just doesn't know how to take care of their body um, or has the interest and so those are extreme differences of personality types and I would say encouragement like you said sometimes it's the children that are the only people there they're not they don't even have a significant other and the children are the ones that are there for support which that's a lot of stress but and sometimes it's the uninsured. So we have a, a big population that doesn't have insurance. So what resources are for them? And um, typically when you're in the hospital, you at least get one appointment that's covered that you can go to. And so communicating that and, and say, look, this door is open. And I know Ascension Hospital is non-for-profit and there's a lot of financial resources that are available. We just have to be able to provide them and make sure they know how to fill out the forms and so they can have follow-up which I think is important so and working cell phone numbers right so (laughs) it's it's a it's a lot of communication what what age group do you typically see who is going through some type of a, a procedure at the hospital dealing with the heart so if you have a strong family history of early heart disease those patients are kind of the outlier so a 35 year old would be an outlier um and when you say outlier what, like what is that the rare person i would say when you start to get into your 50s to 70s um those are the population that start to show cardiovascular signs so high blood pressure or uncontrolled diabetes can sort of speed that up and the population in general nationally that women have a higher risk of cardiovascular events that could be stroke arrhythmias 
Um, so heart heart rates that aren't your normal heart rate or high blood pressure that leads to stroke. Ascension between Nashville and Murfreesboro, 25% make up women and the other 75% are men. So bypass surgery, predominantly more men, but I would say men um, are younger than women that show up for heart disease and the signs are different. So a heart attack for a woman would could be anything. I've seen, I've honestly even seen jaw pain or ear pain, especially if you're diabetic, you don't have sometimes the typical chest pain. So it, it really truly is, if you feel like you're having symptoms are off trying to go to your primary care first and just seeking attention. You, you know, the, to me, from the outside looking in, the scary thing about heart attacks, about strokes, there are certain people out there who, uh, you know, by, I, I guess, over their their family, they've got a hereditary history of high blood pressure or high cholesterol or whatever the case is. And that's the scary thing. You, you sometimes can't tell just looking at somebody if they may have a, a future heart attack. You can't tell if they have high blood pressure. These are things that you really can only tell if you for sure have high blood pressure by going to your doctor by uh, you know getting annual exams getting your blood pressure checked and, and so forth right yes access to medicine is important um, Walgreens and different you know they used to have those Kroger where you could go in and check your blood pressure but I would say correct annual exams knowing what your blood pressure is if you have the ability checking at home the goal is under 120 on the top number. So if you're consistently 130, 140, trusting that that is high blood pressure and saying I need to get something to do this because uncontrolled blood pressure and being a smoker or uncontrolled blood pressure with a family history can cause, correct, will lead you down the track of kidney disease and heart disease. And how accurate are those machines you see or used to see in like Kroger or the different pharmacies out there when you check your blood pressure are those fairly accurate accuracy I would say they're probably accurate I would I would determine that if it's 140 and you're just kind of splitting hairs over a five point difference you can still tell that your blood pressure is up or down is it normal or abnormal and if you have a headache or you're not feeling well and it's up, I would trust it that that's probably contributing to why you don't feel well. So, I mean, no matter what, it's accurate enough mm -hmm. to know that you need to take another step in figuring out what's going on. I would say if you're worried enough to go take your blood pressure at one of those places, then you should schedule an appointment with your primary care doctor. <laughs> so are there things that we can do on a daily basis, like, like changing the diet before it gets to the point of a heart attack or a stroke? Yeah, I've thought about this the last couple of years, the, a lot of research is talking about habit formation and um, habit loops. So let's say New Year's resolution, I'm going to go to the fitness center and walk 20 minutes. And then if you don't do it, you're sort of bummed at yourself and you point your finger at yourself and you're saying, I'm just not really good at walking or I'm not, I'm not consistent enough and you sort of you're negative about that creating habit loops by saying okay i love a cup of coffee in the morning and before i have a cup of coffee i'm gonna do five push-ups 
and starting a layering of habits has been shown that if you do something you like and is easy and doesn't cause negative reactions, you will continue those habits. Um, I think, let's say sleep. Sleep, bad sleep really causes a lot of heart disease. Uh, you're not sleeping well, your blood pressure goes up, there's a lot of contributing factors. So I wanna sleep seven hours. The easier thing is what's causing your lack of sleep. Is it because you're scrolling on your phone? They say go ahead and consider putting your phone up at 8.30 in another room and getting a digital alarm clock so that you're not tempted. And then that causes a really good habit loop. And ultimately, if you get more sleep, can lower your blood pressure and help you feel better to exercise. So determining what your biggest problem is that's hindering your health and then trying to set some goals for those um, so these these mm-hmm. little things like uh, you drink a cup of coffee, but I'm going to do five push-ups, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, getting better sleep. I, I mean, it seems like well, really, getting better sleep is it's like the magic cure to yeah. everything. I, I mean, there's so many diseases and health problems that go along with a lack of sleep. That's right. So I would say, yep, yeah, lack of sleep, energy that leads to maybe some depression where you're not feeling well, and it can it can cause other problems. So if you can start by by just, you know, maybe going to bed an hour earlier or, or not staying on your phone or watching TV while in bed for two or three hours, because I know TV shows these days, you can get sucked in and next thing you know, you're watching 20 episodes of some new series that just came out. Right. So setting alarm and saying at nine o'clock or 930, I'm going to turn off the TV no matter where I am in this episode streak. <laughs> And then putting that phone away and grabbing a, putting a book on your pillow, and that can sort of potentially lead to better habits. And, and then the eating habit, the you know what you're choosing to eat each and every day, I'm sure that plays a role in it as well. But are there certain things we can eliminate from our diet right off the bat? I would say instead of eliminating from your diet, adding to your diet. So the American Heart Association researched and polled, and most people, I would say, it was 97% wanted better lunch habits. You're out, you aren't choosing good foods because you had a stressful day. So. What they said, if you can choose a time, either earlier in your lunch where you're not so hungry, like 11 versus 12.30 or one, that you can make better habits. So let's say you brought your lunch and you eat it earlier than the normal crowd, you will satisfy your hunger and choose better versus waiting till 1.30 when you're starving and hungry and choose the fried french fries and hamburger. So more fruits and vegetables, and lean proteins and when we look at cutting some of these things and you know one of those other items that i always hear debates about uh red meat should you eat less red meat or you know more chicken instead more fish i there's so many different questions that i'm sure people have and i'm sure a lot of the answers can be found online or just by asking your doctor but making these changes like uh, like adding healthier choices within your meal is a good step Yes, I'm not a nutritionist, but I've been around the conversation a lot. And this is a very hot topic. I mean, we have a wide range of vegetarians to meatitarians. 
<laughs> That's what my husband would say. He's a meditarian. Um, the research shows, I would say that I don't I don't want to touch on a hot topic, but increasing your fruits and vegetables. And when I look at meats, the fattier meats versus the leaner meats, there's such something called a Mediterranean diet where you can have more fish and healthy oils and healthy fats. So instead of saturated fats, you're choosing like olives or avocado based products tends to have a better uh, composition for your body. The other thing that can tell you about your body is your fat around your belly also is similar to the fat around your heart. So the BMI truly can be helpful, which is your body fat composition on, am I on the right track or the wrong track? Is my body composition leaning towards the heavier side or the leaner side? And if we're picking hairs, it's really just trying to have a healthy fat composition for your body. And the easier first step to do, it honestly, is just walking 20 minutes for three times a week. And then adding easily to not overwhelm somebody, start with one day of handbell weights and just increasing your muscle mass. So doing these uh, little things, these extra things in life uh, should really help out in the long run and, and hopefully extend your life. Yeah, I think helping you feel better. Let's personally, let's, I'm going to be transparent. I've been having a lot of lower back pain recently, but I've had a lot of lifestyle changes in the last couple of months and I haven't worked out like I typically have. Uh, a colleague and I were talking, it's mostly probably because I haven't been working out and my muscle mass is going down and that's, it's contributing to my back pain. So to get back on track, telling yourself, I'm actually going to feel better, increase the longer I live that I can function better, go to work and not hurt. It's really finding in your own life what is priority for yourself. And so getting back on track, in your case, like you're saying, uh, doing little things like maybe walking 20 minutes a day and, and changing eating habits can make a huge difference. Yeah, so I've been parking on the fifth floor and make myself take the steps. <laughs> All the way back up. All the way back up when I leave. <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a good idea, though. I, I mean, it's, it's doing those little things that really add up to big things. Yeah, I'm mad at myself during the, but I, at the end of it, it's okay. So you're, you're angry as you're getting off of work, walking up the steps saying, why did I do this? Yes, that's, that's right. That's good. That's good. Uh, so what about stress in someone's life? Because you always hear increased stress could potentially equal a heart attack. How much truth is in that? Um, I... That's hard to say. Some people have a lot of stress and don't have a family history of heart disease. I would say, instead of theoretically talking about what risk I am, I know that Ascension, St. Thomas Rutherford, they have 10 cardiologists. Eight of them are male, two of them are women. Some women only want to see women. And you don't have to be referred. You can call and ask to see a cardiologist if you think you have a heart family history, and you want a screening. You can also see a primary care and they can do an EKG or echocardiogram. Um, EKG is just an electronic of how your heart is. 
and an echocardiogram if they felt like you were having some heart failure symptoms like swelling of your ankles, shortness of breath, anything like that, they would make those decisions for you. But there is a a very good resource resource center at our local hospital that can help Ascension Primary Care and Ascension Cardiologist. And they can also coach you through lifestyle changes, um, help you treat your blood pressure, your cholesterol, or your smoking, and then also put a layer of, this is the first step I think you should do to maybe come off these blood pressure medications or get a healthier plan Mm -hmm. so when somebody starts to make these changes they start to feel better they they are becoming healthier Uh, how many people tell you you know i want my first thing to be coming off of this medication i want to stop it i want to i want to live a healthy medication-free life yeah that's a very common the i feel the conversation i have sometimes is I don't want to be on these medicines and I'm going to change. They, they say, I'm going to actually start with the diet. I don't want to be on these medications. When I talk to them, in my opinion, they've already failed that task. And we just need to get their blood pressure down while they work on those changes to make sure they're not hurting their kidneys and their heart or causing a stroke if their blood pressure is too high. I can support them and say, we can come off these medications potentially. So if you lose 10 pounds of body fat, that can bring your blood pressure down by 10 points, which is significant. So if they are motivated by money or the way the medications feel, then that could actually help them with their lifestyle goals. You know, I'm sure there is something to be said about the side effects of medication. Even if you think your body's gotten used to that medication, there's probably some truth in you're not feeling totally 100% while you're still on that medication. So really getting healthy and getting off medication seems like it'd be a, a really good lifestyle change. Correct. And the risk versus benefit of being on the medications and feeling bad far outweighs the risk of them being off the medications and their risk for injury that will decrease their quality of life. So if you have a stroke, you're not going to be able to work. If you have a heart attack, you potentially can hurt your heart and won't be able to have an income. So I would I would try to correlate that being on the medicines while you do the changes is more beneficial. And if something is hereditary, you know, I'm sure there's a chance that some folks out there will have to be on some type of medication for their entire life. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Correct. Because like you said, if you weigh the benefits of surviving, not going through a heart attack, not going through a stroke, well, that's going to be a much larger payoff than, you know, going through something like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of trust. I know our cardiologists are trained, medically certified as heart specialists, and there's a lot of forums that provide not that great of information. (laughs) So I typically go to my hairdresser and say, I don't really, I trust you, just do what you're good at versus critiquing her on the best way to cut my hair, and that's how I view a cardiologist and a primary care 
In other words, don't go in there and tell them all the things you think you should do. Just listen to what they think you should do. You can. I think you come out better if you just let them do their job. <laughs> and listen. And it, listen. It, it's hard to do that sometimes. But it is a conversation. Yes, I agreed. Uh, again, with us today, nurse practitioner Hallie McNew and talking about heart health. And uh, once more, you didn't start off as a nurse practitioner. You, you kind of went through this a different route, and uh, it, it was your father that you seeing him go through a heart attack that made you want to go this direction in life uh, with with your with your job yes i was marketing and i was a junior analyst for nissan and it just wasn't the track for me and i've loved every minute i was a rn and icu nurse and have worked with great surgeons they've um I never really would have landed myself in the surgery world, but it's it's important to me that when somebody's preparing for heart surgery, that I explain that it, it's a scary thing. It would be scary for me to know that I'm going to be put asleep and have heart surgery. But the good thing is that they found it and I'm there talking to them. They're alive and we can get them through this hard period towards better health. You know, I, I think for most people, surgery of any kind is scary. That's correct. So yes. going through surgery involving the heart, I could see where that would be probably more scary than most surgical procedures. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're experts. The ones who are caring for you, the ones who are doing the surgery, That I mean, obviously, they've done this a lot of years. Yes. And, you know, our heart surgery team is very experienced. We've been here for a year, but... Dr. Will Clements, he's our chief of cardiac surgery and his partner, Dr. Aaron Hoffman. They are very experienced and they work well together and they're partners with the Ascension Heart Surgery Team. Uh, we have a state-of-the-art OR. The ICU nurses are phenomenal. They've really stepped up and become experts in recovering heart surgery. And it's just really, when I see patients in the clinic and they've kind of come, I, I say they're on the other side of it. They're getting better. They're on one month one out of three of really truly getting better. They just say how the ICU care and the nurses and the physicians and the whole team and everybody in the hospital, it was, they, they actually get emotional because they felt so supported during a difficult process. So it is very difficult, but they also didn't feel alone and isolated. And uh, they, were, they were encouraged and supported through the process. We have to take a short break. And uh, in just a minute, we'll come back from the break. But we're going to check on the forecast. And uh, when we come back, I, I want to learn more about what happens after you go through, let's say, a bypass surgery. Because that is something that can now be done in Rutherford County. Whereas in the past, even what, a year and a half ago, that was not something that happened here. Yeah, you were going to Nashville and now you can stay in Murfreesboro. Which I'm sure really helps out a lot, especially on that drive home after you leave the hospital to start that recovery process. Right. Right now that time, 8.47, we're going to take a short break and then we will be right back. You're tuned to WGNS. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-50s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and a low near 31. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. 
This is Amanda at Animal City inviting your family to come shop with my family here at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. We have a variety of toys to offer the necessary enrichment for almost any type of pet. Whether you're looking for a climbing tower for your ornamental shrimp, something to keep your hedgehog happy, or a kitty condo, you can find it here at Animal City. We carry products to make your life with pets easier. Come check them out at Animal City. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans and now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. It's a critical time in education, and we need experience on the Rutherford County School Board. That's why we need to elect Butch Vaughn to the school board in Zone 6. He brings experience as a public educator from his years in the classroom and as a coach to being principal at Central and Blackman Middle and Oakland High Schools. Butch Vaughn has also been in private education as the former headmaster at PCA. Experience counts, especially now. That's why we need Butch Vaughn on the Rutherford County School Board. Paid for by Butch Vaughn for School Board. Prior Manning Treasurer. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. CBS News Brief, a powerful nor'easter's moving up the coast, dumping heavy snow. Odyssey meteorologist Craig Allen. The winter storm warning continues into the eastern half of Connecticut, all of Rhode Island, and the southeast sections of Massachusetts. Inflation turning out to be more stubborn than expected. CBS's Jill Schlesinger on new CPI numbers. Removing food and energy, the core index was at 3.9% from a year ago. That matches the December reading. Groceries and eating out both rose at a faster rate than the month before. The Senate's passed a $95 billion bill for aid to Israel and Ukraine. CBS's Nicole Killian on Capitol Hill. Speaker Mike Johnson is already pouring cold water on it. He issued a preemptive statement before this vote saying that this legislation doesn't meet the moment because it does not include any provisions to secure the border. CBS News Brief. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Right now that time, 8.50, you're listening to WGNS again on this Tuesday morning. And this morning we're talking about heart health. And uh, February is Heart Month. And with us today we have Holly McNew. And uh, again, you're a nurse practitioner and you focus on patients who are dealing with heart issues. Yes. So what, I guess, what leads a person, a, a patient to eventually uh, land in your office, land there to, to ask you questions? So they typically land two ways. They either have a heart attack and are in the hospital. That's not a good way to go. inherit a cardiologist, one of our 10 excellent cardiologists, and then they have a heart cath, 
So that's a dye in their heart that looks at the blood flow in their heart vessels. And if they are found to need heart surgery, that cardiologist consults with one of our excellent surgeons, Dr. Clements or Dr. Hoffman, and then they have evaluation. Are they candidate for heart surgery? They do some testing and we find a surgical date. They say yes. We say you're a good candidate. They have heart surgery. They, it's about a five-day hospital stay. And this doesn't have to be a bypass surgery. It could be a valve. Let's say maybe their valve is leaky and they need a valve surgery. It could be bypass surgery. And those typically are one or two of the main reasons to land in our office and then they go home the goal is to go home after heart surgery and then i would see them in two weeks in the clinic look at their incision see how they're doing are they getting better is the big question are you getting stronger better we'll talk with them and then i would see them in two more weeks and then they would go back to their cardiologist so after having that surgery, let, let's say it's a triple bypass surgery that, that you have, uh, leaving the hospital five, six days later and actually, you know, getting in the car with your wife, with your husband and, and them taking you 10 minutes down the road to your house, that, that makes a huge difference in of itself compared to you're in Nashville for surgery and you have to make a 35, 45 minute drive to get back home because... I would guess that's really an uncomfortable state when you're getting out of the hospital, into the car, and headed home. Yes, I would agree. I think this surgical offering within Rutherford County for even down the road to McMinnville and Winchester and Tullahoma offers a closer place. We've even helped people in Smithville and even Cookville because we have... What some of our cardiologists go to outlying areas to see patients, that it does offer some peace that they're closer, even parking, even the ability to get a post-op appointments, and even getting plugged back in with their cardiologist. If something were to happen, they're closer and can come back to this hospital. If they're short of breath after they go home and they want to be evaluated, our ER is very familiar with our service and our surgeons also and would just pick up the phone and call their surgeon and discuss it. So it's even a colleague rapport that's very nice within our hospital. You know, it's amazing how little things like a 10-minute drive home can really make a difference in recovery, especially those first few days. Yes, we offer, I call it, well, Luke, actually, one of our PAs, we almost describe it as a boutique experience because it is a smaller service, 200 patients. Um, West is Nashville West is very good at a lot of things. They're starting to specialize in heart failure, transplant, higher risk surgeries, and they are a volume. They have five first start surgeries. So here we typically have two first start surgeries. That's a higher level thinking, but it does offer a boutique experience. You'll see your surgeon every single day. You'll see him there too, but you do see your team a lot more here, which is nice. I, I find value in that, that uh, you know I can check on my patient two or three to four times if need to within the hospital as they're recovering and it I would say 10 minute drive and knowing that your surgery team is in the same town or close 
can be very helpful. And they can call us 24-7 for 30 days, any questions that they have. I'm home. I don't remember what medications you told me I'm supposed to get or I didn't get my medications. And they can just call us and we, we work that out. Is that road to recovery that difficult or is it? you know, fairly cut and dry as to what the patient has to do and and the rules that they have to follow? Some, I would say a small percentage, 10% will say I didn't have any pain. I didn't. Wow. Yeah, some people, I'm not sure I would like to study them, <laughs> but they didn't take one pain medicine the entire stay. Others do require more. It could be muscle mass. Some have less muscle mass, which I think sometimes can cause less pain some are very muscular and younger and that can cause more pain but it is a tough surgery i will say these patients are tough they've been through something very hard and i will give that to them that they're mentally tough and getting through a difficult time Um, it's hard to take a deep breath Um, they aren't allowed to use their arms they're not allowed to drive for four weeks Uh, so it is a recovery it's a bone surgery in their sternum and it just takes time for those things to heal. So it, it is some pers- persevering. I call it a marathon versus a sprint. And one of those first things that you always hear people say, you know, that that was the toughest. And that is you hold, you're holding a pillow and you have to cough. <laughs> for some reason, I always hear people talk about that more than anything else after a heart surgery. Yeah, it coughing and breathing is just a Thing we take for granted and then when you realize that the sternum is such an important role into those items that you might need a little support some Tylenol to get you through the coughing <laughs> but it prevents pneumonia and so we sort of require and you know the other day I went into a room and helped a patient cough because I didn't want them to get pneumonia so it is something that you need to get through but you take Multi, we call it multinodal pain regimen, which is not just opioids, but Tylenol and other medications that aren't opioids to really just cover some muscle relaxers to cover your experience so that you are able to walk. The very first day after surgery, you're up walking in the hall. So you're sort of forced to breathe and do some coughing and it's hard. So as we close this morning, because we only have about a minute and a half left, what should somebody do if, first of all, they want to find out if they need additional help with their heart? I mean, what do they do? Just tell their primary care physician? Yeah, I would say primary care. Say you want a physical exam, you're worried about heart disease, you're a female, you know it's the number one killer for women above anything else, and you just want screening to make sure you're in the right zone. Uh, Another thing is you can get a calcium CT score at Premier at Premier at the hospital for $50. You don't need a primary care. You don't need you just need cash. It can calculate your calcium risk in your heart. And if you are high enough that they are concerned about a a heart attack, they will refer you to a cardiologist. So that's an easy step. You just call Premier Radiology, schedule $50. You don't even have to schedule it. You pay $50 and you go under a CT scan and you determine if you have blockages in your heart or not, especially if you're starting an exercise routine and you haven't done in a long time. And a, a lot of problems that people do have with the heart and blood pressure, they can often be resolved with medication, with exercise, and, you know, with a combination of things that 
eventually, hopefully, will keep you away from having a surgical yes. procedure. Prevention is always the best bet. Yes. So, so don't be scared. Don't be scared. Just make some small steps. Again, with us this morning, nurse practitioner Holly McNew. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Right now, the time is nine o'clock. Stay with us. News comes your way next.